Welcome to the podcast version of Let's Kill Twitter, the show that aims to detox your timeline with the art of conversation. Let's Kill Twitter is recorded live and on Zoom, and this week's guest was comedian Pierre Novelli. Pierre chose tweets to illustrate how he curates his own feed. He talked about the travails of content creation on social media, the tyranny of algorithms, and also about over-tweeters and his very own weather-specific annual viral tweet. We hope you enjoy the show. Please follow us on Twitter at LKTZoom. Now, yes, it's green line time, which uh, means that we are live. Uh, it's eight o'clock. It's Sunday night and you're watching Let's Kill Twitter with me, Julian Hall. This is the show that aims to detox your timeline with the art of conversation. Yes, it's quite a big ask, isn't it? Thankfully, I don't have to do that alone. Uh, tonight, I've got the fantastic comedian Pierre Novelli with me. But before I introduce Pierre, I want to just do a little bit of admin because it makes me feel good. Uh, we are now live across Twitch, across Facebook Live and across YouTube. So uh, the show will be available on YouTube afterwards. So if you know someone that's missed it, uh, please do direct them there. All our shows and all our clips are on YouTube. Uh, so it would be fantastic if you could give us a bit of a, a subscribe there. Um, crucially, on the uh, followers and subscriptions, it would be super if you could follow us at LKTZoom, which of course is our Twitter handle, which is splashed liberally across the screen. Um, that If you do that tonight and you watch us live, you can send us your favourite tweets of the week, you can ask questions, send comments, make suggestions, what have you. Uh, we'll try and get around to those uh, uh, as much as we can. Uh, it's great to have the interaction there. And then the rest of the time, that's where we're putting out clips of uh, the next or the show that we're doing now. And we'll be sending out news of the next show and generally trying to curate as interesting and as palatable collection of tweets as possible. So that is all you need to know. That's that's all the admin. So without uh, any further ado, uh, it gives me great pleasure to introduce you tonight to Pierre Novelli. He's one of the best up and coming stand ups in the UK. Uh, I've. Uh, known Pierre for a little while now and uh, always a pleasure to, to do whatever with Pierre. You may well be uh, aware of Pierre's work from the MASH report on BBC Two, Stand Up Central on Comedy Central, the Now Show on Radio 4 and of course the hit, po the hit podcast Bud Pod with Phil Wang. Please welcome Pierre Novelli. Dun, dun, dun. You are now live and on screen. What a beautiful backdrop sir. Thank you. I live in a Victorian theatre. <laughs> or is that is that just uh, it's just reminding you of your uh, touring with Frank Skinner there? Yes, yeah, and also the general um, nostalgia of uh, doing Zoom gigs, uh, oh, gosh, having God. having to sort of go. Oh, I, I guess I could have a sort of theatrical digital background and create a kind uh, of Muppet Show vibe when I do my. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't stand up, yeah. I, that might have been actually one of the last times that I saw you. I'm just going to share uh, the show to Facebook, which Restream should really be doing, but they really haven't. Um, I think the last time I might have seen you sort of in the flesh was supporting Frank um, at the Garrick, I think, was it? Yeah, that was the, the last uh, job I did before lockdown was um, run at the Garrick Theatre was from sort of 10th of January or something like that to the end of Feb until halfway through Feb, it was a sort of 30, 40 day, 40, like week, you know, whatever, four or five week run. Um, and then that sort of stopped. And 
Mm. The next thing I was going to do was go to Melbourne. <laughs> so and then and then that's and that's 2020 before it all kind of fell yeah. apart, really. Yeah, and yeah. Then I, and then I got COVID two weeks before lockdown one. Right. I think I had. Were you diagnosed as, as definite COVID, or were you pretty you're just pretty sure you had it? I mean, I, lo- I, I lost all sense of taste and smell for ah, five okay. weeks, and the, it kept going for like months. And yeah, yeah. Uh, that is and the then classic, I, I got some antibody stuff later, a few months later. Yeah. Uh, I think there can be no doubt of, of that. Yeah. I mean, we, we were just talking before we we streamed about how it was just so weird for comedians that they lost kind of all their sort of raison d'etre i mean how how's it been sort of picking up and we staggered through a lot of kind of new normals haven't we really yeah it's all in weird little bursts and then the fringe kind of happened with like two weeks notice and everyone just went oh fucking hell what and then (laughs) (laughs) i do that they do that before the the real ones but yeah 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 yeah. but um yeah it was very strange because like um the yeah, as I was saying to you before, I, I, I've done stand-up pretty much without interruption for sort of eight to ten years, depending. But certainly, and like years and years, always going to the fringe and everything like that. So for a, it, it was like an enforced break off the hamster wheel. So you were off the hamster wheel and you could sort of look back at it and think, God, I was on, I was on that for a while, actually. And uh, even if I decided to take some sort of mini sabbatical from stand-up, it would never have been as long as a year and a half. Yeah. So. Exactly. And then, yeah, and then you realize, oh, I was going to like Devon or or or, or sort of Manchester or or places in like North Yorkshire for like one night or two nights, Um, and like my life was was so much travel based. And then I spent three months without getting on a bus or a train. Very strange. It must have been. It sort of it occurred to me. I don't know why. Really, I was just musing about it during lockdown. It occurred to me that one of the things about being a stand-up in the job description that it seems like the least palatable to me personally is all the traveling mm-hmm. is I just don't I mean I totally salute people that do it I know there's a lot of camaraderie when you're getting lift back from other comedians and actually it could well be the highlight of the night if, if it's been a weird gig so yeah. I do I sort of get that but I mean it's not always there's a lot of presumably solo traveling and kind of just kicking around hotel rooms and yeah. I don't know just weird general travel weirdness yeah you get quite good at finding the cheapest accommodation solutions ah Um, okay so if you want to know where yeah if you want to know where to stay ask a comedian yeah well i suppose you are pretty expert yeah is it if i mean people might not know but when you get a job in a different city unless it's unless it's so far away that you can't drive there in a day um they won't cover travel or accommodation so yeah yeah. If someone really wanted me to do a gig in Glasgow or definitely like abroad, Amsterdam, Luxembourg, Vienna, wherever these weird places where gigs pop up, then they'll offer flights and stuff. And then it's a much better deal because they want you to come all the way out there or whatever. But if it's anywhere within like driving distance of, of London and driving distance includes up to a sort of six hour drive, seven hour drive, um, yeah. it's it's no, it's on you. Yeah, it's, it's mad. So with with lockdown it, itself and um did you because you know a lot of people had a lot of time for reflection you were saying before about certain people in certain jobs didn't notice uh, you know the pandemic as much as others because you know they were able to do other things they were maybe working from home anyway etc but everyone had a certain amount of um perspective to sort of draw mm. to draw back on and maybe think oh, i might change you know might change my life 
like this or I should tweak this. Although, I mean, I don't know whether pandemic making decisions during a pandemic is a bit like making decisions during the Edinburgh Festival. So I don't don't do it. <laughs> but creatively, was there a was there a kind of any sort of windows that opened up for your space or that you were glad of a disconnect? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I didn't realize. Well, no. I suspected like pre-pandemic, if you'd said to me, oh, do you think that you sometimes use the fact that you're doing an Edinburgh Fringe run and an Edinburgh Fringe show, which takes, you know, eight to 10 months of prep. Um, you basically start a month or two after you've just finished the last Edinburgh Fringe. So do you think that you use that arc of sort of revising, getting ready and then exams, you know, do, the exams being the Fringe, do you think you use that arc to avoid doing other work that you could be doing, like writing a book or a script or a pitch or whatever the fuck. And I would have said yes, but I would have said, oh, like, I would have said yes, um, you know, 20% yes, say. Yeah. Just okay. like a number from there. Pande in the pandemic, I had so much spare energy and stuff and I got so much other, like, I did write, do a lot of writing. I realized it's more like 80 or 90% yes. There's right. so much energy and so much time in the day. If you make money from doing stand-up in the evening that you could be doing stuff, but you can just go, well, I've got a preview tomorrow. So I can just kind of think about my Edinburgh show. So look at, listen to a recording of my Edinburgh show. Um, the amount of energy and time it takes is so disproportionate to what happens for a month. Um, I hadn't realized proportionately what a time thief you could let it be. Again, this is a lack of discipline on my part, uh, just as much as it is <laughs> a critique of, <laughs> A critique of the grand casino of the Edinburgh Fringe. Yeah. <laughs> so um, one of the other things we were sort of chatting about um, before we got started was, um, well, we were talking about restrictions. We were talking about what's coming down the line in the winter, whether maybe it's just a bit more sort of uh, levelling up, as it were, when by talking about England levelling up with the Scotland and Wales and Northern Ireland. Um, what, how are audiences now uh, in terms of, their eagerness to get out there obviously they were they seem to be very eager at the start they, i think they're still eager every now and then you'll look out and you'll see like it'll be a full audience with people basically sat next to each other but a few masks here and there um but not many and it's, it's also theater by theater some theaters are still super strict on it some don't give a shit and <clears throat> i suppose it's confirmation bias isn't it because i'm inherently only seeing audiences full of people willing to go out mm. so mm, mm, mm. yeah I literally can't meet the people who aren't willing. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I, I mean, in terms of cancelled gigs or sparsely populated gigs or anything like that. Well, what was interesting at the Fringe, because I did seven nights or seven shows at the Fringe this year, the sort of Mad Max Fringe. Um, and what was interesting was that the number of shows was down by, you know, like 99%. Normally there's whatever, five and a half thousand shows. And now there were like 90 or whatever. You know, just some crazy crash. But but the audience numbers had also crashed, but but not as much. So there were actually more audience members per comedian. And myself and a lot of my friends who were up there all reported the same thing, which is that it was the easiest sold out. It was the easiest to sell out it's ever been. Right. Yeah. Because everyone was just kind of proportionately so well attended because people were just tooling around looking for stuff to do there were lots more locals involved like you're more, much more likely to have actual an actual scottish person from actual edinburgh in your crowd which is not a given even for the whole month of the fringe sometimes um yeah so it was it was kind of 
it, it was sort of it was numerically worse but for the people who went it was also easier so yeah and then and then now how how's it sort of back down in, in sort of london and surrounds in terms of gigs that all just seems to be pretty much back pretty and normal. busy and things yeah I, uh, the, the the few that i've done yeah it's, um, you, i mean do you think people are going to sort of um get cold feet as it were i don't know because it's uh, in terms of age group i think that i don't know that it's going to really change the habits of the kind of you know under 45s in terms of coming out for gigs particularly yeah well that's it and i, I think those are the people who've been the most itchy for it anyway and so yeah fair do yeah. right so we must say good evening to superfan uh lkt superfan martin hello martin uh a trooper thanks for joining us again um joining and engaging always very welcome um so that's that's the real world uh, dealt with pierre what what about your life online in terms of uh your likes dislikes in terms of platform, social media platforms how you like to approach twitter um your sort of essentially uh yeah predilections online i suppose i've um i've never been able to overcome my resentment as a comedian at the idea that social media is like another way that I have to just do work for free. And I have friends who are really good at Twitter and they get good stuff out of it and they get big opportunities sometimes, not all of them, but some of them. And it's because they put hours and hours and hours of work for free into feeding a different person's company's stock price. In a, in a way to kind of like trick shot ricochet off that company and kind of bing get something out of it and i just i can't every now and then with great mental effort i could try and do a fucking joke or a little photoshop or something but i know people who like make time in the day to sit and, and feed the beast you know yeah and i just i'm not getting paid <laughs> the whole point of doing this is that i want to do this stuff for money because i'm a professional so i just i'm very very bad at that if i was better if i was more relaxed about the fact that i'm just working for free to make someone else's website more appealing i'm sure i would have more followers on the website um but overall i i think i don't know i'm very torn it can be very good but it's like a it depends how you use it doesn't it whereas i think um and yeah, the payoffs for some people. You mentioned Alistair Becker King when we were again when we yeah. were chatting earlier. You know, he's nailed it. I mean, his videos are incredible. They look like professionally made things. Um, but he's he learned like animation and the CGI in there kind of as well, and like green screening, amazing. Wow. And then it's funny as well. So like th- those things go mega mega viral, and you see them popping up. You know, when a friend of yours has gone viral, when you see their shit popping up on other websites. And people going, oh, look at this guy, like, un- like stealing, like kind of uncredited reposts. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. So, do you find that? Do you find that sort of? Do you find that tempting, or because I kind of understand where you're you're coming from in terms of the ethos? It's yeah. It's, it must be quite a, a a little bit of a dilemma, actually. Yeah. The only way that it makes sense is because tweets are so short, right? And you can't do much with them because if someone said to you, well, if you write a book for free and just hurl it out the window of your car, then maybe someday people will pay you to write a book maybe if you if you write if you write maybe a free book every every month or two then eventually you know but because they're little and you can kind of just throw them out there presumably um, that's a car that's sort of driving very slowly around Bloomsbury or uh 
know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Wherever yeah. the publishers are now, um, along the river, yeah. And I just like I'm also like my my style of comedy is more like bit based as opposed to like one liner thoughts. So yeah, yeah. I'm also just less stylistically suited to it, but I I sort of. I mean, look, I, I have a pod. I do a I do that podcast, Bud Pod, with with Phil Wang, and that's like an hour a week of free content that I I sort of grudgingly <laughs> release. Yeah, <laughs> no, okay. yeah. So I, I'm. It's not like I'm. It's not like I'm not feeding the beast free content. Uh, yeah. I am, but like the podcast is something that I don't resent because we don't write it. I don't have to sit and go. How will I talk to my very very good old friend today about? something i want to talk about anyway whereas the tweet thing it, and and you have to kind of do the you have to speak the language of memes which i i i do but i kind of resent the idea that memes are this way that like uh i think sometimes if you're funny with a meme it's a bit like being funny like it's like paint by numbers so you go look how beautiful this is and you go well yeah but you just filled it in yeah i mean do you there's a self the self-promotion aspect for yourself and also for the, the podcast. So you'd less resent promoting the podcast on various social media, presumably. Yeah, I'll tweet even, about that and yeah. post on Instagram or whatever, because I think it's good and I like doing it. Whereas the idea of just sort of... it's it, I think I don't like it because it seems strategic and insincere to sort of go, what are the popular memes? And then sort of finding them and sort of going, who's who's being goaded into killing themselves this week and sort of filling in their name in the meme. And it's this very like sociopathic approach to humor, uh, consciously or unconsciously. It's very like assembly line stuff. And it, it doesn't feel like real or organic. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't occur to me naturally. I guess yeah. if it occurs to you naturally, you do feel sincere because you go, oh, I just, I just thought of this great tweet, but it doesn't occur to me naturally. And I don't really understand what makes things go viral and what doesn't apart from one thing i know that things go viral if by sharing them you make yourself look morally superior i know that <laughs> which is it's not really uh, what a comedian necessarily would naturally give give themselves towards to be fair so uh no you think you know, but <laughs> well yeah well i mean there are some exceptions yeah. yeah um what what about in terms of glean sort of gleaning information from social media i mean do you find it do you find it useful? In fairness, most guests come on and they say, you know what, if I didn't do this job, I would not be on social media. And that seems to be yeah. the bottom line. Yeah, um, I think the only way that if, if I did a different job, the only way I would ever be using something like Twitter is if like the only other people I know who really get good stuff out of it are very particular like niche academics. So, um, okay, for, yeah example i have a i i did a degree in anglo-saxon norse and celtic studies oh yes and uh, so i follow my old you know tutor and some of my old lecturers and friends of mine from that from that course on twitter and they live in a different twitter to me because they just live in early medieval history twitter and they only follow people who have to do with that and so it's like this really for them twitter is this highly specialized weapon and research tool and I can see their retweets, like they'll retweet some guy, some professor in, uh, you know, Budapest saying, does anyone have a spare copy of, of um, 10th century Welsh manuscripts by 
James, you know, Griffith or whatever, volume three. And then uh, people will help each other out with it. Oh, I'll, I'll send you a picture of the page you're looking to cite for your research. That looks great. That Their, their version of it looks like a wonderful place to, to, to help and network with your colleagues. But and it, again, can, it can be done. Yeah, can be done. And like, they done. have that they have that version of it. And I guess if you were like, let's say that you were. Yeah, I don't know, a human rights activist or a lawyer or whatever. You could just follow like 50 highly specialized Twitter accounts and just fucking mute everything else. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the <laughs> the trouble with doing something where you're just trying to get people to, to you is that you can't, the more communities you shut yourself out of, the harder you're just making the reason you're on there. It's just occurred to me, just talking about the book, the sort of academics looking for a book, it just occurs that J.R. Hartley would have found flying, fly fishing so much quicker with Twitter. Um, <laughs> obviously, that's a pretty dated reference, but thank you for getting it <laughs> before an age gap opens up. Yeah, um, yeah no, I mean, that's, that's a good, it can, yeah, okay, so that's, it's essentially you've got to build You've got to build a bit of an echo chamber to kind yeah. of get that vibe. But. But, but even then, even then, no one is immune because you could be just following all these fellow academics of yours and one of them could retweet a James Bond spoiler or, or one of them could, could just decide to, to, to tweet something about their fucking lunch. And then it's ruined and the, the bubble is, is burst, isn't it? The fantasy is destroyed. This is true. This is very true. And have you got sort of any love for Facebook or Insta or? Instagram seems more friendly because one of the reasons that Twitter makes people so angry is that A, they've done that thing where you, unless you tell it repeatedly, you don't see latest tweets first. And I had a friend who didn't even realize Twitter had done that to her. And I was like, you know, you can just see the latest tweets, right? You don't have to, you don't have to put up with this fucking shit where you just see tweets that someone who you don't know has replied to and she, it was a revelation um because that was what twitter used to be like but even then through retweets you see stuff that's not for you mm. so mm. you it's being forced on you whereas instagram you can just go on there and only see things that you've at least nominally said you want to see okay um, yeah fuck that up but it's also just owned by facebook and facebook is largely evil um <laughs> Well, no, um, one, no, yeah. one, no one in my age group really goes on Facebook. No, anymore. it's dead. It's pretty dead. Um, yeah, it's dying. And they're going to rebrand it, apparently. There was in the news this week, wasn't that's it? That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I probably got some tweets uh, on that. Uh, you just reminded me. I've got a couple of, I've got a couple of reserved tweets if we get to them. Um, <laughs> I mean, the thing, about, the, the thing about Insta that was always sort of slightly weird to me is you can't actually, you can't share anything. Yeah. I mean, you post it and uh, I don't know. But then you ask yourself, what am I, what am I sharing? Or I guess you can you, you can do stuff in such a way that it comes up for people's discovery page or whatever. Right. Um, yeah. But you, it's that's the thing that makes Twitter and Facebook so much more toxic. I think is that it forces you to create a, a projected self, doesn't it? Where you go, what would the ideal me look like? And I'll share along that line. Oh, you know? Surely that is Insta all over. This is the ideal me eating the ideal food. This is, I mean, it's such a lot to me. It's such a lifestyle brochure. It's, oh, it's like, definitely, oh, it's definitely a lifestyle brochure. Right. But I mean, like uh, on on Twitter or Facebook, people sort of go, I'm I'm going to needlessly share an opinion on a, on an issue, and it's sort of like, but you're not a spokesman for anything. You're you're just some fucking guy. <laughs> 
<laughs> but otherwise you're the guy who never posts right so you think well i do the every time i log in the little thing is saying hey what's tell us what's going on and yeah what's on your mind begging for my opinion yeah they, they yeah. asked you know they asked me whereas in reality no one asked you anything <laughs> <laughs> so um right let's see what martin's chipped in facebook is only really good for messenger uh, Twitter's really for ordinary Joes like me and pro creatives to talk non-stop or promote their paid work. Can't imagine musicians or photographers putting stuff here for free. Why yeah. should comedians? Yeah, actually, yeah, that's the only... There are occasionally some really good... Um, some photographers put some of their back catalogue, like photos of London from the 80s and stuff like yeah. that. And yeah. so there are some, like, amazing curios, where, which, you know, I might not otherwise see um yeah. so I, there is a there is a lot to be said for it i, I mean I, you know when i started the show it was meant to be a very double-edged sort of uh, let's kill twitter nudge nudge because there was a kind of i was paying homage to it as well as trying to sort of go yeah. for its weaknesses which is obviously not hard um yeah. but i mean I, as i i do sort of undulate in terms of i mean you'd expect that with a news agenda anyway in the way that that yes. changes that some weeks Twitter is a hellish place to be another week, another week's less so. There is, yeah. Well, did you see the news about Twitter realizing that its algorithms sort of fucked in terms of promoting right-wing politicians over left-wing politicians everywhere except Germany? Weirdly in Germany, they, it was biased <laughs> in the other direction, but um, they, they, they still don't know why. They just can see that the results are not equal. Well, that's, yeah, that's weird. That's weird. I mean, I think obviously there are some people on the right that would argue that Twitter's sanctioning of, uh, well, it depends how how far right we're going, but Twitter's sanctioning of uh, right-wing people compared to left-wing people if they're if they're sort of violating hate, sort of hate speech and all the rest of it has been a bit askew. But it is obviously quite, you know. Well, there's a, but then, like, they're benefiting from, yeah. like, uh, it was like a massive amount. It was like an extra, like, forty percent, forty-five percent, like of of like if, if you're just some guy you're more likely to be shown content from their side than the left-wing side um but either way like all the, uh, and like all the stuff with twitter's um image uh, preview algorithm never showing you black people um things like that it, we're, we're we're so far from known territory here and in terms of its effect on people like it does seem to destroy people's fucking brains <laughs> It, it, I think it kills people's brains. I, I, I really do mean that, and I think. Yeah, it has it has occurred to me that on, on balance, it, it might not be such a, it might not be such a good thing. I have definitely it's been a learning curve doing this, this show. Uh, I have to say. I think it's one of those things where, like, like we've said, like if it's a highly specialized feed mm. and whatever, but but beyond that, if you just let loose on it, it's just some guy who's you know bed bound. You're gonna lose your fucking mind. I mean, I think there is an element of um, Twitter fulfilling that adage of uh, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. And Twitter <laughs> obviously really feed that. And I, I, and I say that sort of, I know, you know, don't have to be even handed about this. On one, on one level, I do like, I do like to sort of cherry pick certain things. I do like to know a little bit about uh, what's going on with particular issues, maybe abroad that I wouldn't already ordinarily do. But does that mean that, what that really should mean is that then I go off and jump off and I buy, I buy a book about I don't know uh, cap, the the new book about Capitol Hill riots that's come out or something like that's what I should really be doing. But yeah. I guess at least my awareness is there that I could, you know, I can do that. Yeah, do the reading is obviously very important. That you know, 
Well, it also like no one has faith in institutions anymore, right? No one trusts the government or the police or the justice system or the army or whatever, like whatever the institution in your country is like all over the world, but especially in the West, people don't have faith in institutions. And so Twitter doesn't cause that, but it does weaponize it in the sense that you sort of go, well, why would I go do the reading from the 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 fucking people I don't trust? This guy who's got his own, you know, YouTube channel and seems to be obsessed with the frogs being gay. He seems like a <laughs> he's not part of the establishment. Just look at him. He's insane. I'll listen to him and it gives people an alternative avenue. And then everyone gets a bit postmodern if you talk if you well, not talk to, but you look at these conspiracy theorists and stuff, they always end up sort of going you sort of go, well, why should they go? Well, why should we trust them? And you go, well, they, you know, they, they've worked in all these prestigious newspapers and whatever. And they go, well, yeah, well, people only get on those newspapers because of who they know. And you go, okay, but then they went to a good university and they got, they're smart, like they have good qualifications. Yeah, that don't, those don't mean anything in the real world. You go, okay, well, <laughs> they've done all this research. They go, yeah, who they talk to? Because my guy talked to someone else. It's just completely undermined everything that does mean something traditionally and they've replaced it over the guy with nothing because they've gone well at least i know he has nothing and he reckons stuff because i already suspect that of the other guy and the other guy's lying about it it creates all these weird equivalences and i don't know i think overall i would turn it off (laughs) hey let's just do that let's just do it halfway through as a protest yeah (laughs) well we can't we can't do that because we're actually going to get to your tweets now before we do get to your tweets what's um What's the deal with uh, online anonymity with you? What's your view on that? Um, the trouble is that you, if you get rid of it, well, in fairness, people always say like, oh, but if, if you couldn't do something anonymously, then, you know, we wouldn't have tweets and Facebook posts and whatever that are in dictatorships. But the fact is that any dictatorship with any decent grasp of technology has already non-anonymized you i mean if you're in Mm. china and you start really fucking around they'll just find you it's already too late for that um so what i i I don't know i thought there could be a halfway house where your posts are moderated or filtered heavily unless you sign up with like your driver's license or something right okay and so so the real thing is that Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all these things are desperate not to be legally branded publishers, right? Because publishers yeah. are responsible for what they put out. Yeah. In the same way that newspaper owners are responsible for the stories they print, they can be sued, they can go to jail, etc. in theory. Obviously never in real life, but still in theory. <laughs> so if you'd rebranded Twitter as a publication platform, and then you say, okay, because we're a publisher now, we have to filter all of your fucking tweets. So... A lot of them are probably never going to see the life of light of day if you're just some nutter. But if you sign up with your driver's license, like you're signing up to a, a, a some sort of financial services app or your your bank account, online banking, you sign up driver's license, whatever. Then, and you sign a thing, terms and conditions, you say whatever I publish, I'm publishing it. I'm the publisher now. Yeah. I yeah, hereby yeah, say, yeah. don't sue Twitter, sue me for libel, slander, whatever. Mm. Then you would have the kind of all bases covered at once maybe i don't know but the idea that like you know you know the 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 arab spring everyone said it was twitter and facebook Mm. but apparently in egypt for a lot of that happened the main social media thing that they were using at the time was live journal wasn't twitter or facebook it's just the um, blog platform yeah and in the west that no one uses live journal anymore so we were like well i'm sure i've used live journal i don't know how anything happened i mean there must i'm surprised it didn't happen more slowly but anyway 
But yeah, I, th I think I think if you're in a sufficiently technologically advanced dictatorship, it's already not anonymous. So mm. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I people lose their goddamn minds when and also, I mean, even in the UK, people have been tracked down through their tweets and arrested. Yeah, no, it has absolutely has happened. It yeah. has happened yeah. already. It's just that the police can't the police don't have the time or the energy or the inclination to do it for everyone. Who they well, I mean, it's yeah, exactly. And it's all about the gravity of whatever the, the, the misdemeanor or worse has been because, yeah, yeah no, totally. So yeah. listen, let's 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 get on to your uh, selection. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're here to talk me through them. I mean, obviously, they're your selection, but also I totally need them explaining. Um, yes. So. I'm feeling a bit thick. Shall, do you have a preference which one we start with? Well, I can just say overall, I, I chose these three because they're the sort of thing that makes Twitter like. So what I wanted was to get three tweets which illustrated. I've curated my Twitter feed by like muting words and phrases and, and turning off other people's retweets so much okay. that I've almost got it down to these good like things that I like. Wow, so, I'm seriously impressed. So I thought, so I thought there's so much of Twitter I hate that it would actually be faster for me to show you the bits that I like and you can just assume I hate the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Absolutely yeah. fair enough. Um, it's, like I've, it's like I've drawn a circle around my feet and declared that I'm on the outside of the planet, like, you yeah. know, like on, on the globe. I'm on the outside. Everywhere else is enclosed. It's a bit like the... Uh, so Hitchhiker's the last book in Hitchhiker's the Guide to the Galaxy, where he makes a house. He makes a house for the world, but oh. it's in, so the house is inside out, so everybody lives technically in that house, and he lives outside it or something. Yes, anyway, yes. it's just bringing flashback memories there. So which which one should we start with? I mean, you, uh, look, I'm tempted to start with like the the one that I totally flummoxed me. Uh, so, actually, for the for the podcast um, listeners. Uh, this is a tweet from, because I don't know that you'll necessarily be reading this one out. Uh, you can do, though. Uh, it's from Post Cronhib. Um, and, well, actually, we should, yes, let's just read that in the bio, which is uh, David uh, Stifter, is it? Yes. Professor of old, uh, old and Middle Irish at Maynooth University. And the tweet, uh, yeah, I mean, do you want to read it out? <laughs> well, so, okay, so... <laughs> I only I I only see these tweets through a friend's retweets. And but we can accept that. <laughs> yeah, I like them because from what I can glean <laughs> <laughs> this is a professor or an academic of old Irish at at Maynooth University and he's comparing um Japanese poetry from the 11th century, 10th century, 9th century, with what was being written in poetry in Irish at the same time. Okay. And with like different themes and stuff. So it's very, very niche and in-depth. Like I was saying, there's, there's people I follow where this is the world they live in. They just see these nice, interesting, weird little things. And basically it's, um, it's a, it's a, I don't even, I don't even know. It's a poem. It's not a haiku, is it? No. So it's the, so okay so that's that's the source at the top and it so it's at, at daybreak so yeah. augura hayakunin issue 64 and then it must be what it was published in oh uh, yeah issue 64 and then fujiwara no sadayori aka gone 
Shunagon, a provisional middle councillor. Um, so the Yuri, oh, so the nine, oh yeah, so that's the citation of where it is, presumably. Yeah, um, yeah it's in the book. So the, the poem, well, the, the poem just says, at daybreak, mist over the river Uji, gradually emerging all around, fish weir stakes in the rapids, and then there's more. And then if you scroll down that Twitter thread, he, you see it written out, anglicized, and then in Japanese. And then you see the old Irish poem, which was um, 300, that was their number on the path to that assembly. So through this illusory fog to that fight, not one cow of this herd was alive, which I think is about a battle or something. I'm not even sure. I don't know. But I just <laughs> like seeing it. I like uh, seeing it. I have no idea what the fuck's going on. <laughs> and, uh, I've never quite seen a tweet like it. Yeah. And then... <laughs> And then there's a bit more detail the further down you scroll, oh, but it's incredibly in-depth um, <laughs> and the kind of comparison that you would never think of to, to compare um, the work of these poets with sort of bits of old Irish and like across the world. And then there's like an analysis of the Japanese poem. Um, so it's basically for free, we are seeing a very mm. interesting bit of academic uh, academic work from uh, presumably, I don't know the guy, an expert in his field, a cool guy, but don't know, maybe. Tolkien would have liked this, says Martin. He's being yeah. retweeted by a friend of mine, so I guess he must be a pretty cool guy. And well, he's analyzing it and, and going into it. And this is the sort of thing that if you, you have to curate your life so brutally to even have access to. Um, and that's quite some honing that you've done to, to find it. And I mean, yeah. is there a kind of conclusion? Where's the punchline, Pierre? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> It's all very well, but you know, it's the punch, an odd gag. The punchline the punch here is is how exhausted I must be with so much of comedy that this is the sort of thing that I'd rather see on my feed. Although, wow. to be fair, the other two tweets I've sent you are, are things I think are incredibly funny or, or or people I think are incredibly funny. Yes, no, true. Well, let's, let's go to them now. That is, uh, I mean, I do I do like the fact that they've, they've, they've broken down. As you say, you're getting something for free that would have, you know, it would have been inaccessible otherwise. But yeah, um, of the, of the, the aristocrat, and they call that the aristocrats, exactly. <laughs> not. Yeah. So uh, right, let's go to uh, so so Johnny White. Johnny White, yeah. really, really. Okay, so tell yeah. me, tell me about Johnny. Well, let's let's read the, the tweet and then we can talk about it. So there's tweets from uh, Johnny W, he's at Johnny with an H, W really X2. So Johnny White really, really, uh, he's uh, a genius, I think, comedian. And the tweet is, bit of personal news, I sleep on my side, open bracket S, close bracket. Um, wow. And he, um, his, his albums are available on Bandcamp, his comedy albums, and he records them without an audience, which I think is perfect. Wow. His stuff's quite um, poetic and esoteric and interesting, and I think without that, you're you're going to listen to them with the level of attention they deserve, without the distraction of being told when to laugh by some crowd. Or um, he's really sort of quite alternative comedian, I guess. Like without, he doesn't like props or anything, but just in terms of his material, his approach and things. And I'm just, I just got a bit obsessed with him a few years ago, and then. I met him and hung out with him a few times and he's a very nice guy. So he's one of the people who he's, I look forward to his tweets. It's every, everyone's a, everyone's a hit with me. Um, they're sort of odd or esoteric or, or sarcastic or a funny analysis of something. And he also tweets about um, how exhausting he finds um, meme formats that begin like tweet formats that begin with can't stop thinking about. Yeah. 
or um, uh, sex is good or sex is good. But have you ever? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the idea that someone is like, um, oh, yeah, like someone's tweeting about something that they actually you can tell that they hate and resent. And they're like literally crying with laughter right now. Can't believe it. And you go, but you're not. You're lying. Your face is absolutely dead as you type this, <laughs> you know. You're not even smiling on your on your own in a dark room tweeting this like it's not you can something about reading people describing what a great funny laughing time they're having when you know they're not is really nails on a blackboard to me i find it sort of sinister and like yeah aggressive in a way that i can't quite define to be honest i mean I well, I'm, t- I'm really simple. We'll go back to Johnny in a minute because I don't want to let yeah. let go of uh, of this enigma that is Johnny. But um, uh, you, yeah, I mean, look, we've got emojis now of the the highest state of life laughter that you could possibly get, which is crying with laughter, which probably happens to most people if they're yeah. discerning enough about five times in their life or maybe ten. I don't know. But let's, but now it's like say, the accepted say, reaction. Uh, yeah, let's say once a year, even. Once a year, that sounds like a good average, yeah. But, yeah, and everyone's just sending cry face, cry face to everything. Teen, te- the, the teens on t- on TikTok are apparently sending, they send the skull emoji. What, for laughter? The, yeah, as in, like, I've died, laugh, like, I'm oh, dying. okay, right, right. I'm right. dead, I'm dead. I've laughed so much, I'm dead, I'm dead. <laughs> um, you can't, that, well, you can't get past that, can you? Well, yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly, but it's still just, like... No, you're not. <laughs> you're not dead. You're not crying, laughing. You're not laughing. You may wow. have over. You may have oversold this. Yeah. yeah, this may be a bit much now. It's yeah. It's any of that kind of like ostentatious. It would be as it's as disconcerting to me as if you told someone a joke in real life and they went, ha ha ha, <laughs> or if they just said that is funny to you, like a kind of robot man. It's yeah, just it's the upper end of yeah. There's something really otherworldly about it. And like I say, like the thing was like, oh, I can't, ever since I, I can't stop thinking about how. And you go, well, you, you, you can stop thinking about it. You don't think about it much at all. You're just saying that now as a way to get people to read this tweet. Well, it's just like, I mean, you know, it's like this is everything or all that yeah. kind of thing. It's just like we're so maxed out on, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's every, like, oh, clearly the best is behind us. <laughs> every, every human experience has to leave you bleeding from the mouth and anus with shock and awe or it's worthless it's one or the other and yeah. it's exhausting to read because your mind has to make it like in the same way that it's exhausting to read capital everything in capitals because your mind is shouting yeah. it makes you tired and capitalized emotions takes me. exactly and and the, the 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 humorous tweets were like can't stop thinking about it's the personal humor equivalent of a buzzfeed listicle you won't believe number 14 like uh or what these people look like now it it does no one's arguing it it doesn't work it does work but that's what makes it depressing is that it works and um yeah so, so johnny's uh so let's just have a look actually hang on um gosh, yeah is it, is it english or american he's, or he's, he's english yeah um He's English and he does stand up um, around London. I think he's doing a show in November, uh, on November the 15th. He's been tweeting about that. Um, I just think he's a genius. If you if you find him on Bandcamp and listen, yeah, I just think he's so <laughs> so fucking funny because he's it, it it's intelligent, but it's still a bit silly or it requires a bit of thought. There's depth to it. I just think it's great. And Twitter 
is kind of perfect and not perfect for him at the same time, I think, because he gets to tweet these kind of odd esoteric things, like this one about I sleep on my sides. Yeah. And the idea of that dressing that up as a bit of personal news. <laughs> very funny. But like I'm surprised he didn't add a klaxon as well. You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> So like that's that's funny, but even that will not like spread as far as it should because this it's being out retweeted by a bunch of fucking format based meme nonsense from some lad bible account, you know. So at the same time as he's being able to advertise his unique sense of humor through Twitter, it's also being washed or the obscured by a cloud of bollocks from the worst stuff. Whereas maybe like in the early days it would have. You know, if we'd all got in on the ground floor, then the good stuff would have just managed to get so far ahead that it was prominent now. But now it's just this morass, you know. I've definitely yeah. made a note to check out Bandcamp there. Definitely. Yes, yes, yeah. he's, it's great, really funny. Yeah. Good, good stuff. Good to, always nice to discover someone new. Yeah. Um, someone not so new, obviously, uh, Glenn Moore. Yeah. Uh, right, yeah. Let's, let's go wild with this one. So Glenn is one of the few people I know who uses Twitter absolutely perfectly. Like he's like um, Neo in the Matrix or whatever. He can fly and he can, he just tweets jokes or funny thoughts. That's it. That's it. So he's the perfect person to follow. Yeah. There's never a reason to mute him or unfollow him unless you're insane. Um, and take things too seriously, which of course is how you people live on Twitter. So there's a there's, that's not a small group of people, but Glenn just smashes it every time. And and even this thing where like I was actually in the so it's Glenn's uh, tweeted. He says a screenshot of a WhatsApp conversation. He said really annoyed myself this evening and those around me. And I'm sure he won't mind, but I'll dub him in. He the screenshot of the conversation actually happened a while ago. Okay. Like it's, it's not from the time that he's saying that's the conceit yeah, yeah, yeah. but he's got the kind of brain where he sort of goes i don't know somewhere in his brain he just remembers oh there was that funny thing and i can just put it out there and it's just free do we yeah. uh can we uh, is it okay can we read it out for the podcast yes. yeah. yeah so uh he's it's a WhatsApp conversation where glenn uh messaged me and some other people guys i've come up with the laziest most dog shit million pound idea that all the most boring people you know will love a book called Wuthering fucking heights. And it's literally just word for word Wuthering Heights, but with a bit of swearing in every sentence. So like she opened up the cocking window. I know I've made this up, but I fucking hate it so much. <laughs> and you know what? He's right. I mean, like, you know the whole thing with pride and prejudice and zombies? Uh no, what have I missed? So they published a version of Pride and Prejudice. Oh. They just put zombies in it and it was the same basically but now now there's like zombies attacking or whatever and then they tried they, they got like a movie deal oh it did um, i was just gonna yeah, ask yeah, yeah. Right, and right, it's, right. it's sold loads of copies and and so on but there's a, such an appetite for like twee victoriana yeah bonnet with like a kind of modern silly thing kind of smushed into it like people love that shit it's very you know uh jenna clock <laughs> um and so it's a great piece of sort of observational comedy and parody and whatever that he's done just in this whatsapp group and so he's at the news at glenn i'm sure everyone already follows him but it, it's he's again like one of the people who he creates value in the in the feed and yeah. very few people create value in the feed at all and it's all that glenn does so if everyone was just like glenn <laughs> oh glenn would be less unique but yeah 
<laughs> well, yeah, but I, I just mean in terms of their sentiment towards right. their output, as opposed to as funny. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, he's he's such a a professional about it, and I I do envy how he can be bothered. <laughs> I'm just maybe I'm just lazy. Maybe at the end of the day, Julian, I'm angry at myself for being fucking lazy. <laughs> But it's, I mean, it, it, look, it is a lot of honing time. And if you've got other, you know, if you've got other things, fish to fry, then it's, it's, it's a distraction. It could be a distraction that's on brand and it absolutely is for, for Glenn or yeah. Alistair or, or Matt Green or, you know, what have you. But um, it can't be on brand for everyone, no. No, and I, I just can't, like, I've, I've tried it a few times, but, like, the stuff that I've done that's ended up doing really well and getting a lot of retweets is always stuff that I just think, really? Okay. Like, I just don't understand how the machine works. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you a, an open secret right now. I have a tweet that I do on the same day every year and it always does really well. And I just do it. I just do my annual good tweet and it always works. <laughs> and the way it works, Julian, is that on the hottest night of the year in the Northern Hemisphere, I tweet, quote, it's like trying to sleep inside a fucking McDonald's apple pie. Oh, yes. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. And I tweet that every year on the hottest night of the year. <laughs> and it always gets enormous engagement. And um, it's because it's based on the incredibly common observation that the center of the McDonald's apple pie is oh, yeah. very hot. Yeah. And the apple pie is slaved, shaped a bit like a sleeping bag. Um, you can sort of imagine climbing into it and if you need to tweet it around the time that people are compulsively hate scrolling through Twitter as they're trying to go to bed <laughs> so they <laughs> are too warm and they see it and if you time that all right it's your Ed, Ball, it's your Ed Balls tweet it's my Ed Balls tweet it's, and, and it's a different day every year because of the, the variability oh, yeah. So, well yeah totally I was going to say you might struggle this year to find what was the hottest day <laughs> I think this, this year <laughs> yeah it's a movable feast and this year i don't think this year was a good year for the tweet um, no it was uh, it's been a, it's been a challenging year um now i must admit i normally um i i don't know if we're following glenn you know oh no we are following glenn that's because i did follow all people we've had on the show and people that they've brought up on the show so i'm just worried that glenn's must follow says martin of course oh, no hecklers was uh was uh, on johnny's the fact that he does his um yes yes band camp with no audience that is really interesting actually i just want to just listen to it just for that alone really yeah and he's he's quite sort of softly spoken and 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 thoughtful and so when you do watch him live at the fringe and there is like a rowdy couple in the front row or something you do sort of think you do sort of get the impression that they sort of go to break a butterfly upon the wheel you know <sighs> we sort of think can't you see that what's happening in front of you now is a kind of wonderfully delicate act of quite subtle clever comedy with like whim like a bit of craziness thrown in or sort of like unexpected twists and things but if you'd only be quiet and listen it's not club comedy it's not saturday night hen and stag comedy no, um, no. so i prefer it without an audience which is rare i mean imagine having content so good that you don't need the the like like i'd be the first to admit that comedy is very dependent on the pack mentality being induced yeah in people definitely whereas his kind of isn't it's almost like it could stand up as prose in its own right yeah i mean and also just to just to get the rhythm you know you know if he's doing that without needing the feed as it were 
Yeah, that's it. Without the feedback, it's just it 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 holds itself confidently without it. Yeah, very interesting. But so like those that's these are examples of the ways that it could Twitter could be good. Mm. <laughs> I'm showing I'm showing the potential alternate reality now. But I mean, it's 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 it is your alternate reality though, isn't it? I mean, it's I mean even the even the uh, the the sort of historians that you were talking about earlier, uh, they would not necessarily uh, you know let. Glenn into their feed if they were being quite purist about it. Well, that's it, yeah. But you know, we could all this. I suppose the 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 thing is is that Twitter creates a set of circumstances where the only way for it to be tolerable is to create an echo chamber. But equally, okay. when people venture outside of their echo chamber on Twitter, often it's just to directly fucking abuse people. Um, right. Yeah. And I I do think that there is a correlation between people I know who on Twitter are quite nasty or mad or a bit over the, over the line. And then if you meet them in real life, they're just, you know, they're shy or they look at their shoes or whatever. Mm. And so maybe that that's where it comes from. They have a certain amount of nastiness that they can't get out in person. So they get it out indirectly, but face to face half, never mind half 90% of the stuff you see on Twitter, no one would dare fucking do face to face, but. Maybe that's I think a... I think that's sort of true. I still wonder though that um, I wonder if it's less less true now because of the atmosphere, toxic atmosphere that Twitter's created as well. And it could be. It's also just an attention machine, right? And people are too stupid to unplug from the attention machine, or they they don't care. So like the only reason that people like Piers Morgan or whatever shock jock you want to choose, how, the, the only reason they have a career is because people pay attention to them because they are engaged by them. Mm positively or negatively often very negatively but um it, it's Piers, Piers Morgan, i will say i will give credit to Piers morgan he's much cleverer than a troll he's not a troll no yeah because he will say <laughs> this is my theory he will say an opinion from every or for every group in like a rotation so every group or person gets to agree with Piers yeah, morgan yeah. twice a year yeah everyone gets a little taste of agreeing with Piers. And then we're back on rotation and they get to disagree the rest of the time. And, but even the most ardent, you know, uh, 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 person who's completely in opposition to Piers Morgan on everything, then he'll come out and say, guns in America seem a bit much, don't they? And everyone will go, yeah. And they get their little agreement cookie. Uh, I agree. Oh, maybe he's not so crazy. And then next week he's annoying them again. So it's much cleverer than a troll because it's like a little merry-go-round, but without, the attention machine, you know, yeah. the attention feeder, you know, these people would starve. And maybe that's bad for journalism, but I, I doubt it. Journalism worked just fine before. <laughs> um, you, it's, so on previous, because um, uh, I haven't got the kind of visual prompt here, but I, I, you, you kind of selected a, a few uh, things which were under two headings. One, were, one was over-tweeting and one was, I think, the anti-vax or anti-lockdown. Yeah, yeah, the conspiracy um, nutters, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that just plays, well, let's deal with that one first, because that just plays into uh, what you've really just said about the kind of the madness and the vitriol and all the rest of it, really. Yeah, uh, well, and also the fact that they're just like a mutually supporting set of, of, of crazies, because their whole family or all their friends could be saying to them, you've lost your goddamn mind. But then they can kind of balance that in their heads, because there's like 11 people on Twitter who retweet them and go, yeah, you're a freedom fighter, you you're like a you're you're like a resistance fighter in France. You're a genius, you know. And so that yeah, 
then the same with the QAnon thing as well. It just drives people away from their families and the world of logic and reality. Um, I think there is a kind of there's such a need for people to be seen as the kind of the outliers and the rebels and all the rest of it. And I do. Everyone see wants to be like the. That. Everyone wants to be the underdog. Mm. All the rhetorical power now lies with being nominally. I'm outnumbered and and we are the few and and you know. Yeah. All no, the rhetoric now. Yeah. No. Definitely. It's a bit like kind of wanting to be cool when you're a teenager. It's it's still in that sort of psyche, I think. You know? Yeah. Very very few lines of argument these days revolve around. There's loads of us and we're kind of in charge. So don't worry. It's fine. But let's keep it going. But it's fine. It's you know <laughs> it's not interesting to people. <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, and what about the overtweeters then? Um, if I if I get followed by someone, even if they look interesting, if I look on their profile and I see, you know, over fifty thousand tweets, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand tweets, I won't follow them back because that's just going to be my whole feed. I can't cope with that. Yeah, yeah. I don't need that direct align into someone's ten minutes spaced thoughts. Are there any sort of well-known culprits for this, or would you rather? Just anyone like there's there's a lot of people who are just so online that all they do is like tweet and retweet, tweet and retweet, and they'll do like hundreds a day, Mm. which is how they got to the total of you know, fifty k, sixty k, hundred k, and you know they're free to do that, but fucking hell, I don't think it's I don't think it's a good sign. I think it's uh, like the Twitter version of when you see someone has like uh, written all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy over and over again. It's, it, I do think there are moments where actually um, you can just get a, you know, a little bit overexcited. So sometimes like during the Don Cummings interview, I did quite a few tweets from this account and I've noticed not that it loads of people sort of left us, but I just thought that that's obviously put people off. And then during Love Island, there are one or two people that I still follow, but they did, they were getting a bit carried away. And it's like, yeah, this is a bit annoying, actually. Yeah, well, it's even madder when it's all from one person. And suddenly yeah. your whole feed is just one person that completely spamming. And you just think, what, what the fuck is this? And it's just like mad. Like, like it'll be like a thing about sandwiches and then a thing about a, 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 the, the Uyghur genocide and then a petition about litter in their local area. And then a fucking, and it's just like, it's like having someone else's brain beamed directly into your fucking brain. It's just overwhelming and strange. And it's not good for them either. Their lives have must have gone mad. Yeah. Because like I I I I I'm self-employed in the daytime and even I couldn't match this rate of output. So what the fuck are they up to? You know. Um go on. Well, the difference I was gonna say is that if I do look at someone's profile and they've done tens of thousands of tweets. I don't judge it as harshly if their job is nominally to tweet so that I like, for example, it doesn't matter that Glenn has that many, but I don't think he does, but if he did, it doesn't matter because it's his, he's a comedian. It's kind of his job to tweet a journalist, anything where it's your job to kind of have a presence online, Mm. then an external financial force is kind of pulling you to tweeting. Whereas if someone is just a normal person, but they live their life so fully on Twitter that all they do is tweet hundreds of thousands of times, then that's not good, you know, that yeah. like, it, it might be fine. And it might be that they just, you know, they, their lives exist in such a way that they get a lot from it. And maybe they have curated the perfect feed like I aspire to, but a lot of them seem to just be upset all the time. If you look at them, like, 
I think, uh, I mean, just it's it's probably more allowable if in when it's there are certain moments on Twitter which are just sort of uh, there are there are particular events. So American election, um, some of the Dom, first Dom Cummings sort of Rose Garden interview, all the rest of it, where you expect everyone to be sort of at it basically, yeah. and it's yeah. a little bit more forgivable then. Yes, but trying to create that frenzy outside of wartime, as it were. Yeah. So, like, here's a good example of the kind of Twitter accounts that have way too many tweets. So, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I voted Remain. I'm pro EU, whatever. But, but, but. go go into the search bar and type in hashtag um, FBP. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, and click on any of the Twitter accounts that come up uh, first, and look how many they've done. Yeah, yeah, um, and it'll be fifty, sixty, seventy-five k. Um, lots of which will be retweets. They don't they count those. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't. It will have to be original thoughts. But it's just these people's entire lives, and you just think, do you have like a family, or are your family constantly being like, could you stop fucking, like, get off your phone, or is this while you're at work? Shouldn't you be working, or do you are you just at home on your own, just like frothing with fury constantly about? <laughs> whatever just the, the the recent act of parliament that da, 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 and, and the only people amplifying you are just other people who are equally furious and it, it it seems like this kind of um perfect feedback circuit of 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 needless damage to your mental health yeah, yeah. you don't need to, to i'm going to go on the internet and i'm going to find people who i hate and i'll read their thoughts and, <laughs> and i'm going to I'm going to upset myself. <laughs> the unfortunate irony of supporters of freedom of movement who are tethered to their phones. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I can't believe that the time has, um, has we've, the clock's beaten us. It's really amazing, actually, that I, uh, it's just gone so quickly. Um, yeah. where, where, can, uh, where can people see, hear you next? Next. Bud Pod, of course. Bud Pod, every every week the podcast comes out. Um, where is my next gig, actually? I've got quite a lot of writing to do, which another, is another reason to resent Twitter, because I should be doing other projects. Um, Tuesday, I'm doing a charity gig at the Comedy Store. Um, oh, the, the, I've retweeted it a few times. The lineup is mad. 2nd of November, I'll be emceeing at the 100 Club. The 100 Club. <laughs> no, of course, at the 100 Club. Um... Friday the 5th of November I'll be in Henley MCing. Sunday the 7th I'll be in Peterborough there's a few places here and there um, and mainly just yeah I've listened to the podcast and I'm on all the social media because <laughs> I fucking have to be yes you're um we've got a little ticker um above our heads which has got your um uh, details on as well as all of our details of course in fact I'll just I'll just bring up your there you go your biog as we go um definitely uh, well thanks so much Peter. hang back in the in the green room so stay with us as, as i say goodbye to our streamers uh look thanks so much for watching us guys uh whether that's been youtube facebook twitch whatever please do follow us uh, at lkt zoom i hope to have a show with you next week um and then in november uh julie kershaw is going to be back with us so we're going to go back to our two hosts two guests format so that's going to be a nice booking marathon for us um but it's been uh, very enjoyable tonight and uh watch the space uh, for next week i'll be tweeting out clips of this show i'll be tweeting out news of the next show and uh
that's it really guys uh, we could just both say goodbye to bye to in unison now cheers streamers take care see you soon and thank you martin of course yes We hope you enjoyed listening to the show. Please do check out the other podcasts in the series. If you go to our website, www.letskilltwitter.com, you'll find all our previous shows listed and you can find links to the YouTube versions as well as audio files. If you'd like to support our work, you can do via buymeacoffee.com. If you go to their website, you'll find a Let's Kill Twitter page set up for donations. But anything you can do is much appreciated. A like, a follow, a recommendation to a friend, it all counts. Once again, thanks for listening. We hope to be in your ears again very soon.